Today, what it takes to be the next millionaire next door. Yes, you can absolutely achieve millionaire status. This is the Seven Figures Podcast Smart Money Strategies for Women with Sandy Waters. Seven Figures is sponsored by Family First Credit Union. When it comes to financial education, earning and learning go hand in hand. And Family First is here to help you and the greater Rochester community with both. If you are new to the Seven Figures podcast, well, welcome. If you're here every week with us, awesome. You get it. You know how important it is to know what's going on with your money. You want to achieve that amazing point in your life when you can say you are financially confident. And our guest today is going to help you get millionaire status. Now, for some of you, you're like rolling your eyes thinking, that sounds crazy. That is so far out of reach. But nope, it's not. Dr. Sarah Stanley Fala, an industrial psychologist, researcher, and president of Data Points. Sarah is continuing the research that her dad, Thomas J. Stanley, started. You might be familiar with his book, a very famous book, The Millionaire Next Door. And now Sarah has co-authored the updated version, The Next Millionaire Next Door, Enduring Strategies for Building Wealth. Sarah, we so appreciate you being here with us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Over 40 years of researching. I mean, this is research. This is hard evidence of what it (laughs) takes to achieve wealth. And it must be so rewarding. And you must be so proud to continue your dad's legacy. Absolutely. No, he really started something you know, back again, you know, 40 plus years ago that really changed the way people view wealth. And I think that um, it was only right to continue and, and finish this work and, um, you know, absolutely excited to share it with a whole new generation of folks that maybe didn't read the original. Thank you for continuing it, because it must have been so hard for you in the middle of co-authoring this book with dad. And he passed away tragically. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, those of you who've probably gone through any type of loss, any type of grief, um, recognize that, um, you know, you can kind of go a couple of different ways with that. And so I, you know, really felt like continuing his work and, you know, kind of honoring the work that he had done and and helping others learn all of these great, um, you know, behaviors and what it takes was just something that, um, again, would sort of honor him and and really just continue the continue on with the work. Well, we appreciate you finishing the book. And um, absolutely, that's even more reason why everybody should go buy it. When you tell people, women specifically, mm-hmm. hey, you can be a millionaire. What is the reaction? Yeah, great. It's funny. Um, oftentimes what folks will ask me about is, you know, a, a specific area, right? So they may not ask necessarily if if they can become a millionaire, but I usually just point to the data. I point to the stories um, and and the reactions are, oh, okay, I see that this can happen. I, I, you know, I recognize that there's research that actually demonstrates that people can do this on their own, but they still have questions and there's still sort of this well, I'm not, I'm not quite sure that's for me or that, that I can do it. Um, and that's when we kind of get into the, the behaviors and really what it takes. And there's a hurdle, right? There's, there's mentally something they're selling mm-hmm. themselves short, right? Absolutely. I think it really comes down to behaviors, right? So the math works. If you can make the math work in terms of income and how much you're saving, um, you know, that, that will, you know, propel you to reach your financial goals, But where we all get tripped up, whether it's someone that knows a lot about it, like myself, or, um, you know, someone that maybe is new to financial planning and personal finance, 
is in our behaviors, what we do every day. It's some of those um, cognitive biases we have or um, trying to keep up with others around us or those that we see on Facebook every day, for yeah. example. Um, that's what can trip us up. And, and so I think it's important to recognize those things and then try to make a plan to overcome those because that typically is what keeps people off the track. Okay, so we are going to describe um, what a true millionaire looks like, thinks about how they live, those behaviors that you're speaking of. But first, I want to get get all those negative thoughts out of the way. Let's mm. just clear the table of those so then we can really listen and pay attention to the research that you explain in your book. So what would you say to someone um, who told you, well, it's impossible for me to make money, be a millionaire because I don't earn a lot of money at work. Right, right, right. So, you know, I think that first of all, let's acknowledge that if you're not, you know, if you're at some level of income, you know, really below average in terms of, you know, what you might make in the U.S., that that can be incredibly hard. You've got a lot of expenses to pay for that, um, you know, there's not a lot left over at the end of the month. And so I think that, you know, acknowledging that is, is the first step. But if you're making an average to above average income, um, you know, there are, again, there are key behaviors that allow you to transform that income into wealth. Uh, again, it comes back to uh, ignoring what other people around you are doing, not trying to keep up with the trends, really being confident in your financial decision making. Um, so, so again, while, you know, income certainly can help, it's really what you do with that income that makes more of a difference. Okay. So in other words, you would tell that person, excuse, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Uh, uh, just right. like a mother would. Uh, 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 I don't want to right. hear it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's just one of those excuses. Just like, you know, I I, I can't become a millionaire. I'm not uh, a man and I don't have this kind of job and I don't have this kind of job title. I think that I think that that can really hold us back from actually trying to achieve our goals. In the the research that you've done, did you notice that people who are millionaires are those who work for a company or work for themselves? Is there a definitive one way over the other? Yeah, you know, I think that uh, back in 1996, when the first book came out with The Millionaire Next Door originally came out, a lot of the folks interviewed and, and part of the, the research were self-made and, and self-employed business owners, right? Um, that trend is not uh, exactly the same today. Mm. So we see both. Um, really, the trick is to find uh, a path or not a passion necessarily, but a job or a career that you can be satisfied in for the long term, whether that's owning your own business and all the risks and the kind of things that go along with that. Mm -hmm. um, as a self-employed business owner, I know that that's not the easiest road. Um, or if it's working at an organization and really, you know, honing your career and building skills at that organization. So today, I don't think that matters quite as much. OK. All right. That's good to know. Now, for the people who say a million dollars isn't what it used to be, I don't even know if that's enough money. What would you say? Yeah, you know, I think it really, again, goes back to, you know, un understanding your unique goals and your unique path that you want to take to reach those goals. So maybe a million dollars isn't isn't as much, certainly with inflation and things like that, it isn't today. But if that is a goal for you, and that's a goal that helps you achieve other goals, so not, you know, again, 
amassing wealth isn't necessarily the the best goal in terms of, you know, wanting to just simply reach a number, mm-hmm. but it allows you to do other things. It gives you freedom to ensure that, for example, you can um, fund your, your children's college education, or it allows you a certain you know level of comfort and retirement. So it's not necessarily that a million dollars is the, you know, the marker. And then once we reach it, you know, we're, we're set. Um, but it, but it's that wealth that allows you to do other things. It allows you freedom. And once you achieve that point, you're right, whatever number that might be, right? you hit that point where you don't have to stress, how are you going to pay the bills? You don't have to stress, oh, God, I hope the fridge doesn't break down because I don't know how to afford a new one. If you get yeah. to that point, oh, incredible and an incredible yeah. feeling. Exactly. It gives you margin to make, to, to have some of those things come up because we all know that they come up. Life is mm-hmm. not a nice smooth path. I wish it was, but mm-hmm. it isn't. And so again, it allows you to have some peace of mind that, that those things can be taken care of as you're again, continuing to live your life. Okay. So now let's get into these behaviors. Our perception yeah. of millionaires is what? Living a fancy <laughs> lifestyle with a big house, nice clothes. Oh my gosh. Look at their car that they're driving. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and I think the other thing too, is just that everything is made in the shade, right? So yeah. we've got everything is, you know, easy for them. Um, you know, if you think about some of what social media is doing to us today, it's allowing us kind of this look into other people's lives. Most of the time, what you see is new things, new cars, new purchases, new vacations. Um, and, you know, we don't often post when things are really going financially, um, you know, down the tubes for us. We're just not going to post that on Facebook. Sure. Um, so, you know, I think that that's another myth as well is that things are just really, really easy. Um, and so I think that that can kind of hold us back. Like, well, my life isn't easy. There's no way I can achieve these goals. Okay, so we want you to paint the real picture of a millionaire. Uh, But first, Seven Figures is sponsored by Family First Credit Union, a helpful, educated team in our community that enjoys helping you live a financially healthy life. Dr. Sarah Stanley Fala, president of Data Points, co-author of the book, The Next Millionaire Next Door. Okay. You are all about the science, the research, the facts, right? So we can't argue with you. Um, How do millionaires, what what do they do? What do they think our perception of millionaires versus reality? I think that um, most of us believe that, uh, you know, again, millionaires live in in houses that, uh, you know, where where none of us could imagine living. Right. Um, uh, Driving cars, you know, they've got a fleet of cars and, you know, they they all have really exotic sounding names Um, and they're on vacation all the time. And the truth of the matter is that most uh, millionaires are continue to work well into retirement. Um, they have kind of a traditional family structure generally, um, so they're typically married. They they go to college. Um, you know, a, a lot of people now are are going on to graduate school, so that often uh, accompanies a millionaire, if you will. Um, but you know, they're they're working. They're working on their businesses, their careers. They're spending time with their families. They are not spending time on social media. They're they're generally not um, shopping very much. If that oh. you know that that makes sense. Right. The more that we are in stores, the more likely it is that we're going to buy stuff. Um, they're they're satisfied with their life, and they you know they they sleep and they exercise and they read and they do some of the things that you know we think of as sort of maybe boring, but in reality, that's in m- many ways is what allows them to build wealth. 
And you said satisfied. Is that what it mm-hmm. is? Just being satisfied with what you have? Yeah, you know, I think that's a, a good point. Now, I can't say causally whether they're satisfied before or after, right, mm-hmm. Me, achieving that millionaire status. Um, but, you know, they, they tend to exhibit some of the behaviors, just like I said, like reading and sleeping, you know, the right amount where they're not, you know, sleeping only four hours a night or something like that, um, that allow them to have some general well-being in addition to obviously achieving their financial goals millionaires or those who have a lot of wealth have hit the point where they feel financially confident. Money is not a stress. What rules do you see that they they all live by those general rules that they all follow? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really self-made millionaires, right? So okay. I can't really speak to those that, you sure. know, right, the trust fund folks. Um, Too bad but, we're not one of those, but okay, yeah. Exactly, <laughs> right. So so when we think about individuals that have done this on their own, I, I think that, uh, you know, the, the biggest rule that they follow is live below their means, no matter what their income level. Um, and that's the one where that behavior piece comes into play. So uh, that really just means, you know, allowing yourself to save uh, uh, money every month, no matter what's going on in terms of your income. So, for example, if you're in sales and, um, you know, you're on commission based, so it's sort of variable month to month, um, it's ensuring that you're saving a certain percentage of that income each month. That can be a challenge, of course, but that tends to be, I would say, you know, if I had to pick one of those rules, that's a consistent rule we see, whether we're talking about millionaires in the 1990s or today. All right. Any other big ones that you're like, oh, this is a good one. I wish more people would follow this rule. In terms of um, uh, rules, I think it's also ensuring that any kind of advice that you're getting, um, you're paying um, the least amount that you can for that. So if you're looking for someone to help you with financial planning or investment management or something like that, you're going to be a really, um, you know, thorough researcher when it comes to who you're working with. That's number one. And then number two, you're not going to allow yourself to pay for things that you don't necessarily need, um, whether that's, you know, commission-based kinds of, of products, if you will, investment products and things like that. That would that would be the other kind of rule that they follow, particularly once they've reached that millionaire status. Do they tend to do a lot of, I guess you're saying, do a lot of the research on your own? Be well-educated in whatever move you make, financial move you make? Exactly. So whether that's reading, you know, becoming more financially literate, if you will, or knowledgeable as you kind of walk through this path to wealth. So at the beginning, it's more about budgeting and cash flow and things like that as you kind of move on to some of those more, you know, advanced topics, right? Taxes, investments, things like that. And you're looking to work with someone who, and again, a lot of millionaires do uh, because they, things become more complex, right? Mm -hmm. They have more complex issues and things like that. But it's really, again, doing your research, doing your homework, ensuring that anyone that's giving you financial advice has your best interest in mind. And it's really cool nowadays. It's so easy to obtain information like a podcast like this, you know, where we invite in these experts that normally or back in the day you would we wouldn't have access to Dr. Sarah Fala. You know what I mean? But now we can. So it is remarkable how easy it is to to get this information. Um, Absolutely. I found it very interesting in your book. You talked about where you live. Mm-hmm. 
Definitely. Yeah. So, you know, one of the biggest sort of impacts on how we spend is where we choose to plant ourselves, right? So what our neighborhood, our neighbors around us. Um, and I would say that that, again, that that impacts where your children go to school and, and the kinds of influences that they receive, um, kind of what it takes to, you know, be in community with others around you. Um, that's changing, of course, as we carry around sort of our neighborhood in our pocket or on our, you know, in our watch if you will, with, mm -hmm. with things like social media. Um, but uh, that's kind of a consistent, that's a, certainly a consistent finding, you know, regardless of the times, is that where you decide to live and kind of the environment that you place yourself, even if you think about your workplace, can impact and influence the financial decisions that you make. So whether it's, you know, what kind of car I need to drive to kind of look the same as my neighbors around me, uh, um, or again, you know, where your children might go to school or the kinds of things that you're buying your children, uh, certainly uh, with a middle schooler, it's it's definitely been eye-opening for me to see that. Um, come, I, you know, I remember being in middle school, but once you have a middle schooler, it's uh, definitely a, a, yeah. a reminder at how, <laughs> how much, you know, others can influence you. But again, even as adults, right, we're, we're influenced by that. Or think about, you know, spring break or some kind of vacation, you know, where is everyone going? Well, where is everyone in my community going? You know, it's it's hard to, to kind of push aside some of those influences. So if you can plant yourself in a place where others around you are trying to achieve those same goals or, or focused on frugality, for example, again, listening to a podcast like this is helpful, being a part of Facebook or other social media groups that are really focused on building wealth, th that can be useful as well. That can create your own community, even if you are living in an area where everyone is um, suffering from affluenza. It is really a struggle, though, to close your eyes, to put the blinders up when you see, you know, your neighbor making renovations to the house that you want to make yep. so bad, but you know it's not financially right at this time. Yeah, I think that that's what makes it so important to remind ourselves of what our goal is, because, you know, my goal may be very different than my neighbors. And so when I see those renovations happening, I have to remember that my sights are set on something different. How do you explain that to your kids? Because you said you have a do you have one middle schooler? Three children. Oh, three wow. Girls. Oh, Sarah, yes. you got a party in your house. Okay. I got a party <laughs> in nine straight years of middle school. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. Okay. So now, you know, then because the. These kids are so fascinated by, and it drives me nuts, these YouTube channels with these grown adults unwrapping the latest LOL or whatever it might be. And it's, it's sending the wrong message. It's sending the message of, I want more and I'm never satisfied. Yeah, absolutely. We have done a pretty good job again having my, you know, my father, their grandfather as as an influence of reminding them daily that what we buy is not how much you know, we have in terms of wealth and what is in the bank. It's a very different kind of thing to think about as a, as a child, because, you know, all you see is sort of what's in front of you and you're not thinking about the big picture. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we have really tried to help them understand even, you know, even with that understanding though, it's still hard, but that the things that are um, purchased and consumed and bought means that you don't have money for other things later on down the road, things that you might want to do like a vacation or, a, you know, even going to college and things like that. Um, and so that's been kind of a tough lesson. It's easier for them to grasp that as they get older, but certainly yeah. helping them understand that early on is useful. 
But the, I guess on the flip side, the, the good piece about, you know, technology and all the things that are happening today is that it is very easy for any of us to start a business. I could take an hour here and pop up a website and come up with an idea. You know, technology allows us to do a lot more in terms of having side hustles and things like that. Um, but it's kind of balancing that between, you know, that and the, the connectedness and sort of the influence that comes with that. I've heard you say that being calm and composed can help you build wealth. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So think about the last time maybe you were in a store and you're looking at something and you're, you know, your heart starts racing because you can't decide if you should get it <laughs> or, you know, it's on sale. It's a, you know, dress you've been looking at, you know, but it's not quite on sale in terms of your budget. Right. So it's just on the cusp of that. And, you know, all of a sudden our brain is going into kind of cartwheels and we stop thinking about our long-term goals and we're only focused on this one thing. Um, so stay, taking a step back, being a little more mindful about what's going on and kind of the scenario scenario you've, you're in can allow you to make a better financial decision. So staying calm, staying cool, recognizing what's going on. Okay, I'm in another situation. I don't make the best choices, let's say, when I'm in that kind of situation. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should pull myself out of this take a step back and then decide. And again, if you can do that consistently, I'm not saying it's easy and I'm not even saying that I can do it consistently, yeah. <laughs> but um, if you can do that, that can allow you to build wealth because you're not making decisions when the emotions are in play. This certainly comes into play. We see this a lot in the research related to investing. So if the market is tanking and all of a sudden it's, you know, I'm, I'm you know, calling, I'm, you know, getting online to try to sell things. No, that's the time to take stock of what's going on, take stock of your emotions, and then make a choice based on a calm, cool kind of mentality. And women, they say, right, research shows that are actually better investors because when we have our plan in place, we don't make those knee-jerk reactions. Yeah, and I think it's ego too, right? It's like, okay, well, I can time this market. I'm, you know, yeah. and a lot of times women don't suffer as much from that. Um, that's a generalization, of course, but um, a lot of time that that's what comes into play. Oh, I, I'm I'm so confident, I'm overconfident that I'm going to be able to time this market. I'll know when to get out and come back in. Nothing's going to affect me. And then all of a sudden they're making, you know, tough choices. And I think that women often don't suffer from that, like you said, particularly when there's a plan in place. Yeah. So the overall lesson you would say that we could take away today and start implementing in our own lives is what? Yeah, you know, I think that it's remembering that this can be done and it's remembering that the behaviors are what might trip us up. Setting a goal, we can all set goals, right? We can all um, kind of, you know, and, and think about a realistic goal for ourselves when it relates to finances. It's being mindful of what's going to be a hurdle. And typically those hurdles come from our own behaviors. And so if you can just continue to be mindful of that, that can allow you to overcome those hurdles. Awesome. Dr. Sarah Stanley Fala. Datapoints.com is the website. She's president of Datapoints. The Next Millionaire Next Door. Pick up the book. It is such a great read. It will get your mind in the right spot to help you set those goals. And then you can reach back out to us and say, I'm a millionaire. Wouldn't that feel right. good? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sarah, you're fantastic. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for having me. She is so wonderful. We love Sarah. So gracious with her time. 
Okay, next week when we chat again, it'll be the first Friday of the month. And that means our very good friend, Erica Cummings, VP at Morgan Stanley, will be here with us again. She's designed a financial game plan for us. And if we follow it by the end of the year, we will have peace of mind and feel confident about our finances. If you missed any of the episodes with Erica, just scroll back uh, and look for the first Friday of every month. Okay, you have a fantastic weekend, and I will talk to you next Friday. We raise a glass now, your bottle of water, your cup of coffee, whatever you have in your hand, and proudly say cheers to being financially confident women. If you have a personal finance question or feedback about the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to Sandy at sandy at rochesterbuzz.com. New episode every Friday. Listen, subscribe, and tell a friend about the Seven Figures podcast. Smart money strategies for women.